This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The Small Business Association estimates 30% of new businesses fail in the first two years, and that number jumps to 50 within five. The near failure is something that our next guest experienced later on in his career. Charles Morgan spent 35 years building Axiom Corporation into an international leader in services that allow companies to provide exceptional customer experience. That company went from 25 people in a small town in Arkansas to 7,000 around the world in a $1.5 billion corporation. At age 65, he retired with air quotes around that, sort of. Instead of hitting the golf course, he invested $1 million in a tech startup called First Orion, And after a near bankruptcy, he jumped back into the day-to-day operation of that company to make it a leader in helping consumers deal with the mountain of robocalls that we see here today. His new book, Now What? The Biography of a Financially, or I should say a Finally Successful Startup, looks at his career, the skills needed by today's entrepreneurs, and how to have a successful career after retiring. And it's a pleasure to have Charles joining us today. Charles, welcome. Dan, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to be an old entrepreneur. I guess you could be old, you could be young, you could be whatever. I, I, the first time I did it, I was young, but this time I'm doing it, I'm old. But, boy, did I learn a lot. Yeah, so uh, take us through th- that process of the quote, and you talk about it early in the book, of that quote-unquote retirement with Axiom, and, and then get into the investment with First Orion, and then getting into being back into the day-to-day operation? You know, I, I, I had a great experience in, in, in the process of building Axiom, had great people, great experience, loved the technology, loved the people, got to be a billion and a half in revenue, 7,000 employees. But, you know, if you're fundamentally an entrepreneur, you really don't get – all that cra- you don't go all that crazy about managing seven thousand people and uh, dealing with Sarbanes Oxley and uh, all of the SEC and, and and all the stuff. And when I retired, it was not a pleasant event. I got in a proxy fight. I got in a fight with my board, and I was kind of burned out on not only Axiom but b- big business in general. And I thought I was going to retire to a happy little time, but at the same time, I invested in this little company that was actually bought to by Boston operation. And uh, I put my money in it and kind of said, okay, you guys have got a one-year milestone. We'll see how you do. Well, they didn't make it. They wanted more money, and eventually I took it over and uh, you know, had one of my guys running it. And... I still didn't get that much involved, uh, but they kept wanting more money. And so I looked around one day, and I was really getting committed to this thing called First Orion. And the whole concept was fascinating to me at the time. It was the idea of giving people more control over the calls that are coming into their mobile device. And at the time, we were doing mobile call blocking with an application we call Privacy Star. Right. And we caught the attention of uh, Metro PCS and ultimately T Mobile. But uh, uh, early on, uh, I thought I could look over people's shoulder and, 
and advise them because I, you know, I was a wise old guy, right, Dan. I knew all this stuff. Right. And I'd done it before, and and I would, I would, you know, say, yeah, well, you know, you ought to really think about doing it that way. Well, I, I don't like exactly the technology approach you guys are using, and I think I was constantly countermanding. You know, you have to either be in charge or get the hell out of there, and so uh, eventually, I finally told the guys I'm going to take over and the guy that was running it before he's still with us still one of the key contributors but the whole idea that I had was that I am not making anybody happy particularly myself either in or out and uh, I chose to be in and it's turned out to be a good decision for all of us what what has then been kind of the secret to be able to be successful in this industry? Because so many companies now that are either directly in tech or connected to tech, it, it is you know how much we live our lives, you know how much we yep. are connected right now. What what's kind of the secret at this point? Well, the secret always is in any business. It's having a good idea and having good people to execute on it. And then guess what? There's something else. You better have enough money to execute on your ideas. And any of those areas are, are great points of failure. So people have ideas that really aren't practical. Right. Uh, they try to deploy a good idea with bad people. They deploy a good idea with good people with no money. And they get it all figured out. And then the next thing is they don't have a clue how they're really going to be able to afford to distribute it and and get it uh, uh, engaged with their target audience. And that's the other area that is so uh, fraught with failure. You have a great idea. You build a prototype that works. Everybody says they loves it, loves it. We loves it. But guess what? Now you you need to you need to find a few hundred thousand or a few million customers, and that gets hard sometimes. Well, I would think it had to be a challenge, specifically when you're talking about First Orion, and and yes. and, and having to make those connections through the various companies, the telecoms, and and, and right. you know the T-Mobiles of the world to be able to reach all of those customers. Uh, it is it is really hard to get into the telecom industry, particularly, but uh, we. We spent a, actually spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of money early on trying to establish our brand without the without going through the carriers. We, not that we stopped ever looking at going to carriers, but it was just so hard for a little company. Can you imagine a little company from Little Rock, Arkansas, going to uh, AT and T and Verizon and say, "Hey, we could solve all your scam and uh, call blocking problems and robo calling problems." They look at you like you had two heads. Yeah. And uh, so it was very difficult to establish that we did have better technology. We could show them data, we could show them this, show them that. But uh, and, and to their credit, they would listen often to these things. But our chance of getting inside their network to do what we needed to do in network was virtually it was virtually not going to happen. And uh, probably the only reason it did happen is. You know, John Ledger is a little bit of a rebel and wanted to do some things, wants, still wants to do some things that other carriers won't do. Right. And we are, we have 50 servers inside T-Mobile's network executing a whole variety of services. The most well-known one is our robo-dialing, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, uh, scan blocking and uh, unwanted call blocking. But this... Uh, 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 world today, 
you're talking about all the technology we deal with, and what we also deal with is a horrendous problem integrating this technology with everything else that's uh, that, that's going on in your life. So, you know, standalone islands of technology are very difficult to promote and and, and make successful. Uh, right. Know, if you don't have some connected, uh, you know, a good example, completely off the topic, but in home automation. Uh, people like Google have figured out they can't build it all, but they can get partners, hundreds of partners yeah. from, you know, the Phillips lights to, you know, the the security people, the camera people, all these yep. other people. They partner with people. You can partner and get in an eco structure, then you've got a chance. And we are in the telecom eco structure finally. So then, do you think that that the tech industry will see? A, a greater level of consolidation as we move forward, and and you just I, mentioned I think the we're partnerships. Have more platforms, right. Dan? I think right. it's more platforms. I right. think we're going to see even people like Google figure it out. You know, one time Google, I think thought they'd be the you know the the end all, but uh, even Google said, hey, you know, we need to cooperate. And uh, in the end, they made their Android platform very open, much more open than Apple. And if you look at the uh, their home hub, their uh, uh, Google Assistant for home automation, it is just a conglomeration. They establish standards and they allow many, many, many vendors to uh, you know participate in their ecosystem. That's what I think is the you know the wave of the future. We we see it with television now, you know, with the streaming and all this thing. We're we're seeing a consolidation, we're seeing platforms develop and then the real specialists get, you know, a very small niche in that big platform and they can make a way for themselves. Whereas if they tried to replace the old platform, forget it. So why do you think then, I, I mentioned the numbers at the top, that the numbers of startups fail? What, what is behind that from, a, from kind of a structure standpoint? Well, I think from a structure standpoint, the, the, the fact is most of the people trying to do startups, Dan, you know this, you've studied this for a long time, right? Yes, sir. I mean, yeah, I know. So you, you know a lot of times startup startup. Uh, founders have got a lot of knowledge about a specific element or subject or technology, but they don't know a lot about finance. Sure, yeah. They don't necessarily yep. know more, much about marketing. Yep. They don't know about how do you build a team. You know, our our our, our team here at First Orion, we are uh, 165 strong now and making money, but boy, it was difficult. <laughs> but I had but Dan, I had done it before, and I hired some people who had done it before. And, and I think that's and I think that's the component where, uh, in many cases, a lot of startups fail is that you you think you can take it all on yourself and not delegate right. to the people that may have the experience right. in certain areas. I, you are absolutely spot on in in that analysis, and I know that you've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, and you see. And while they have a fabulous idea, right. if you if you dig very deep, and I've done this quite often, I, I say, okay, how are you going to build the organization, or how are you going to distribute it, or how are you going to finance it? And they they have just a vague idea. 
So then how does the role of, of the of the VC uh, of the money man in this in this sector with startups, how how does that I think it comes from both sides. I think there's obviously a benefit, but I think also that at times there can be a negative to it. Uh, there, there can be, and and uh, some of the negative is the VCs don't necessarily have a real long term horizon. They want right. to get in, they want to triple or quadruple their money, uh, at least, and you know the higher risk. They want to ten exit, and they want to get in and out and go do the next one. Right, uh, and so they're not necessarily aligned with the long term interest of the founder. Uh, I, I heard a stat this morning, Dan, I think you'd be interested in, that some people only invest in where founders are still involved in the business. And when it's, you know, when VCs have come in, replaced management, and, you know, they're taking it public, for example, right. they don't invest in them. And, and they've done, they do that because they've, they've done extensive studies. Those are the least successful IPOs and, and uh, uh, young, you know, startup are sometimes like we're seeing now Netflix and others. They're the either least or most successful of the startup categories. So, uh, I think you need to have an aligned investor. For example, we have not brought in outside investors, First Orion. But I have finally found one who is very long-term oriented, who's very interested. And, and building a legacy, legacy uh, approach, and I, you know, I'm going to we're welcoming him in to you know partner with us and give us some of the uh, additional investment capital we need. Right. But it's hard to find those guys. It really is. Well, one of the things you've mentioned uh, is the fact that when you do have a failure uh, in a business. That in, in many cases, it's a situation where that person is just not not ready for that opportunity. That that is correct. Uh, yeah, you've talked to a lot of people. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, it presents itself, uh, and you know, it's very much in in your line of expertise. And I see all all sorts of reasons that fails. One is people will say, and this actually I saw this happen one time. Well, that's not exactly how we envision the business, so we're, we we don't want to do it that way. And uh, uh, if you'll do it our way, then then we'll do it. And of course, first says, "No, I'm gonna do it. I want to do it my way." And right. so you don't get the business; you lose the opportunity. Entrepreneurs got to understand they have to fork the business often. Maybe they don't give up on the old thing, but focus on the opportunity is there. As long as it's you know. Uh, close enough to your vision uh, that you're not going to necessarily lose uh, what you started, but maybe that opportunity will take you in a different direction. Certainly has happened at First Orion. We've ended up getting more and more in the data business uh, than I ever expected we would be because, for example, if you get a, if you have your caller ID on a phone, that caller ID is terrible, right. and it's missing on, you know, most of the time, it, uh, <laughs> unless you're getting a scam call and it tells you there's something else. But anyhow, uh, uh, the the data business is not something that we really envisioned initially that we would be involved in. We are, and it's 
now becoming a key part of our strategy. Charles, the it, opportunity presented itself. Charles, it drives me nuts. You should see the the list of calls on my cell phone uh, from from companies that that are just trying to you know to 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 take something out of me. It's it it, it, it is right. it's a bothersome thing for consumers. And and, it it, is. and in this day and age, where you see more companies seemingly worried about the thoughts of the consumer and trying to reach out to the consumer. It feels like that we are in a in in a transformative period of time with companies in how they approach a lot of this tech sector these days. That is correct. Well, it's it's changing the whole way people communicate with their customers, both for good stuff and bad stuff. Uh, typically, uh, a, a company like American Express or you know insurance companies and others they. Uh, even though they might have a relationship, or they, these are not cold calling, trying to call customers. So, Airbag's trying to call a customer for a fraud alert to get 18% answer rates on the 800 number, eight, eight, 18%. Right. So, uh, if, if people look at you know an email they send, they think it's a they think it's a scam. So, they, they you know even tax people. So. Uh, the banks are uh, absolutely pulling their hair out, and that's one of our new products, by the way, deals with that. Really? Deals with that issue. Yeah. Well, we, we actually will cha- take over the whole display on a device and say, Amex fraud warning. And in other words, the whole screen pops, and all that's on your screen, is it's a call that's coming in, and we take over the whole screen and say, Amex fraud warning. Right. Uh, please answer this call. And... Uh, you know, it might might be uh, any and everything. We don't do pure marketing. We do uh, customer communication, valid customer communication, so we don't taint it. We don't, you know, let people, you know, go out and try to sell stuff. But this is a brand new product just going into the market. So and by and by doing that, and by doing that, you would probably see, I would think, a significant increase in the numbers of calls that actually were accepted by people. Uh, about. Two to three hundred percent, and that's not a yeah. small number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody has ever had a, a, a any kind of marketing tool that increase the answer rates. We have a uh, uh, one of our uh, pr- uh, proof of concept customers is into it now for about two months, and they last time I heard they were seeing a seventy eight percent increase in actual. Bottom line results from a program. In other right. words, if they were making, you know, a dollar before, they're making a dollar seventy-eight now on that program. So let me ask uh, you. That, in, let me ask you in the last couple of minutes. I wanted to, to talk a little bit about you because the the story that you tell about you know being with Axiom and and then leaving the company and then now being with First Orion. It is a unique story, and it's one that has played out with a variety of other CEOs where you leave one company and you follow something right. that is a passion. How do you see the, the the level of success that you have? How have you viewed success in this quote-unquote retirement? Well, I look at retirement as doing what you love to do every day but not having to do a damn thing. And uh, this is what I like to do. I like to solve problems. I love to work with people. When I say solve problems, I like to solve business problems. Right. I, I get this. I still write code. Uh, hey, there you go. Code type software. Uh, and, you know, it's what keeps me really young. I'm really young still. And, and, and it keeps the mind sharp, too. It keeps the mind sharp. It really does. I, I, I think I can keep up with most of these kids, most of them. 
But uh, it, I, I, I think a business needs maturity. I, I think I, if I had done this business, this the first one. I, don't, I doubt if it would have been successful. It, you know, Dan, I'll be honest with you. I had I put about eight million dollars in this thing to get it going, and other people have put money, and it's taken you know ten or twelve million. But right. I totally control the business, and that has allowed us to you know, do things in a very flexible manner, but I have given away about 30% of the company to all these great people that I know are going to help me build it. Uh, I have about, uh, Charles, I'm sorry, I have about a minute left. And since you mentioned that you still write code, I I wanted to quickly ask you about coding and the importance that you think it has in today's society, especially with younger kids as, as they move through their education. Uh, education is one of my hottest topics. Uh, we're doing apprenticeships here. If you want to, we can do a whole show on apprenticeships. We are trying to lead the way nationally in that. I'm also chair of the Arkansas Center for Data Sciences, statewide effort from the governor under the governor's auspices. But I, I think uh, uh, programming. I always tell young people. Even if you're going to go, I have a uh, a granddaughter who's getting a degree in psychology, and I said get a minor in computer science, right. a minor in computer science. The world is all about computing and IT. I don't care what profession you're in. You need to understand this world. You need to think about it. And some aspect of your job is going to use computing. Uh, some of the f- most enjoyable jobs in the world are in these technical fields. They're most yeah. rewarding financially. Yeah. Uh, and we can't hire enough of them. So it's, Fabulous field. Charles, great to talk with you. We will uh, get you back at some point here and, and talk about uh, we've that. We've got a couple of other topics. I, Absolutely. Uh, and entrepreneurism, I, well, we just barely scratched the surface. Charles, great to talk to you. Great to meet you, and we'll uh, talk again soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. The book again, Now What? The Biography of a Finally Successful Startup. Charles Morgan, the book is uh, available in bookstores and online for your purchase now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.